This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. You ever get a nose hair that just kind of doesn't, that just kind of sticks you on the inside of your nostril there? It doesn't poke out, and you try to reach in and try and find it to get it out of there, and I suppose I could take some scissors and cut it, but you ever get that? It just, just kind of pokes at you a little bit. And, you know, it's growing out one side of the nostril, and it's poking into the other side somewhere in there. You ever have that happen to you? No, no, I haven't had that happen either. No, 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 I haven't. All right. Anyway, um, my my wife has informed me that she's uh, reworking my website, dimland.com. We're trying to switch and get away from GoDaddy um, and get it set up uh, with uh, with something else. Uh, I think WordPress. I think that's what it is. Anyway, and if it all works out, my portfolio will be on there, and it'll be easier to update it, to put newer stuff onto the thing. I do produce new drawings occasionally. Uh, I, yes, I am doing a daily drawing challenge. Still working on a daily drawing challenge. I didn't draw anything today, but uh, uh, the other day I did three, <laughs> trying to catch up. <laughs> but anyway... Um, uh, yes, I haven't done a drawing in a couple of days, but tomorrow, being Saturday, I record on Fridays. Uh, is I'll be doing lots of drawing. I'm gonna at least say that's the plan, and see if I get knock out another two or three tomorrow. It just depends. But uh, anyway, um, so that should be possible, and uh, so you can still, in the meantime, you can still get to the show notes by going to dimland.com, click on the blog option, and you'll get to the show notes. And the look of the page is going to be different. Uh, a friend of mine told me this, and my wife agreed, and I agree too. The look of my page is pretty 90s, kind of. <laughs> or early 2000s, because that's about when it's from. Uh, so it might be time to see what we can do to make it look different and update it. Uh, things work out. You should be able to listen to this show right from there. I mean, once it's once it's posted, it should, you know, it'll be right there. Um, we'll, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, and and as far as the show notes goes, um, I use Blogger to do do the show notes, and Blogger sucks. Okay, now, I don't know if anybody from Bloggers out there listening. I want to just tell you that you, your thing sucks. You make a mistake, and you know you catch it later after you've posted, and you catch a typo or something. You want to go in and fix it. You got to re you got to relay out the whole page. Now either now maybe I'm doing something wrong, or Blogger sucks. <laughs> it, it could be could be both. 
because uh, I use WordPress to do my blog for Nostalgia Zone, which is the comic book store I work for. It's, uh, the blog is called Warehouse Find, and it's just each week I write something of a nostalgic nature. Uh, I've been taking most of January off. Uh, I've been on a hiatus, uh, sort of. Uh, I didn't announce to anybody I was going to do it. I just decided, now, ah, you know, I did the, the first week of each month. I do a blog about what I think is a great comic book cover. And then, you know, I do, then the rest of the month is various topics, whatever occurs to me to write about. Something, you know, something about music, something about movies, something about TV, you know, something about uh, comic book artists, uh, just something, you know, just uh, of nostalgic nature. Uh, anyway, um, so for a couple of weeks this month, I haven't done anything. I did write something uh, just this past week, which I'll get to a little bit later. Uh, and uh, next week, uh, there's this friend of mine out in California, Michael. Uh, he will guest blog for us occasionally if I just feel if I feel writer's block or something, and I said, "Hey, you got something?" Or he says, "Hey, I've got something for you. Can I?" You know, and I said, "Yeah, send it in. I'll put it up." So, but uh, the only yeah, the only week I reserve. To be the same or to be the similar topic month to month is the first week, and that's the the great comic book cover. Um, so tune in in a couple weeks, and we'll see what my great comic book cover is going to be. You can follow the uh, the blog too. You just uh, go to nostalgiazone.com, click on the blog the option there. You'll find uh, Warehouse Fine, and I think you can follow it somehow. I think I've got like 49 followers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway. So we will be reworking the website, or I should say Amy will be working, reworking the, the website and I'll assist her where I can, when I can, and we'll see how that works. And, uh, but for now, things will look the same as they've been looking, but we're going we're gonna to get things switched around somehow. I'll have to ask her about that if I have to do, hmm, I wonder if this show notes will actually be done through uh, WordPress this time. I wonder. I'll have to ask her. Anyway, so I wanted to tell you this little story about uh, a grocery shopping experience I had a week ago. And um, before I start telling the story, I will acknowledge that, uh, for the most part, I was in the wrong. I was. You know, it's, I just was. And that'll become apparent as I move along here. Um, I think that most people have uh, sort of a what's what we could consider a manager in your brain, you know that or editor, that 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 portion of your brain that says don't say that. Uh, you know what? You know this isn't the time or place to say something like that or to bring that up or just keep that to yourself. There's that manager editor somebody in there to keep the keep the snark department from working too uh, uh, too um, uh, publicly <laughs> keep it to yourself in this situation just let's not bring this up some people's managers editors work very diligently and all the time and they never say anything out of out of out of uh, 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 out of taste for the moment. If you know, unless I'm sure we're human, people can screw up, but pretty much everything's on lockdown. Some people's managers take a lot of breaks, and the stuff just comes out. And that can be the same person. They can go most of their lives having that manager clamp down on all that stuff. And then as they get older, 
um, the manager decides to uh, to they, they don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm on retire. I'm I'm retiring. I'm not, I don't care. Say whatever the hell you want. You're old now. You can get away with it. Uh, you know, so that can happen. And I also so. so I have a manager that I think works pretty well, and in this case, it worked. Uh, the manager came out and said, "All right, Snark Department, just keep it to yourself." All right. So what was happening? I went to uh, uh, the supermarket that I always go to to get uh, groceries, and uh, uh, this supermarket has uh, the regular, you know, the regulation shopping cart, but they also have the, a smaller shopping cart. Uh, the smaller shopping cart has two baskets, one above the other. Uh, the bottom basket has, at the back of it, has a little has a little shelf, if you will, that uh, the, off the back of the basket where you can put a 12 pack of Coke or something. Yeah. Um, and it, but it's smaller, and if you fill that thing up, it maybe holds about a, I don't know, about a third of what a regulation size shopping cart will hold. And I like these little ones. So I'll grab one, and especially when I'm doing this, just a small shopping. Just tonight, I went and picked up a few things, and I used one of the small ones. I, I just think they're nifty. And uh, so on this occasion, I went out, and I was getting, I don't know, I was getting some cat food. And I got something like, I don't know, 15, 16 cans of cat food. Because our cat, you can't, you know, if you had a dog, you could feed the dog, you can feed a dog the same food day after day after day after day after day. And he's just as excited, or she, is just as excited to get the food as it was the day before. As it was the week before. As it was, oh boy, oh boy, food, food, food. A cat is, oh, what's that? Oh. Um, didn't I have that food like hmm, four days ago? Didn't I have that before? No, I'm sorry. No, I'm not feeling it. You know, that's a cat. So you got to have a variety of food, at least for our cat. And we trade it out. You know, you have two cans going each day and you, and you go back and forth, and then you put it. You know, when that one can gets gets done, you bring out a new can, and it just uh, whatever. Anyway, so I had about sixteen cans of cat food, and I picked up some other stuff, a gallon, a couple gallons of milk, and some bread, some whatever, just just a few other things. And I filled the top basket of the small cart, and so I go to checkout. And it was a fairly busy day. And at this supermarket, that's it's got about, I don't know, 12 or 14 lanes, checkout lanes. In the middle, it's got four of those self-check ones where you do, where you do it yourself, right? Which is, uh, which is maybe coming, maybe the wave of the future where people won't be working at grocery stores, uh, not as many people. There won't be cashiers because we'll have to do it ourselves. I don't know. I, I, I Maybe not. Maybe... Uh, but I, I tend to avoid those because in, you know, I'm thinking, uh, hopefully I'm keeping somebody, uh, uh, I'm doing this in order to keep somebody having a job. You know, it's like, it's like you know, that's why I'm not going to the self-checks. Not that I've never done, done them, but I don't. And then, and I think to myself, you know, okay, we've accepted that we're, that we're going to bag our own groceries. We've accepted that decades ago. 
There are some high-end grocery stores, I think, still around where they have people that will bag your groceries. And every now and then, a local high school will send their, their, their cheerleading squad or something in. They're raising money, so what they'll do is they'll, they'll bag groceries for, for customers for, you know, for tips. You know, just, just to throw donations into their bucket. And sometimes I have them do it, and they're not very good at it. Anyway, but, they, but that's fine. And uh, anyway, so uh, we have to check ourselves out at this thing. As you would think there'd be an automatic, you know, 2% or 5% off the price. You know, I'm doing the work for you. Why am I not getting a little, you know, a little? Now, maybe we are getting a little by bagging our own groceries, and we just, you know, we're just so used to it now. We, you know, that's why the groceries cost just a little bit less than maybe they would if we were paying. Well, so maybe. I don't know. But I just... But if they did offer you like a 5% or a 2% discount to use the self-check lanes, well, then more people would use them and then the, the greater likelihood of people losing their jobs. But anyway, I was, I was avoiding those. The store has one express lane. The express lane just says express lane. There's no, there's no guideline of how many items. You know, 15 items or less, 20 items or less. If you're using one of our small carts, just the top basket full or less. <laughs> There's nothing like that. I guess you could say common sense would say 20 items or less. I okay, and I'd be I'd be there with you. And again, as I started this, I'm I'm agreeing that I'm I'm in the wrong. <clears throat> so I. I, 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 I get in line and I go into the express lane with my little cart, top basket full, more than 20 items, probably a bit more, quite a bit more than 20 items. There are two people ahead of me. The first person is just finishing up. The next person just has a few things. She gets rung up real quick. I put my stuff onto the belt and my stuff goes up. You know, that person directly in front of me, she, she moves on, and my stuff moves up the belt. There is no one behind me. This is important to remember. There is no one behind me. All right, so then I, my stuff comes up the belt, and the cashier, uh, she looks at me, and she says, very professional, very politely, almost like a teacher dressing down a student, though. She says, Sir, this is the express lane, and you have quite a lot of items. You should pay closer attention because this is uh, this inconveniences other customers. Now, this is where the manager is doing his job. The snark department is on its toes. It's it's going. It, it it's telling me what to say. This isn't one of those cases where you think of it as you leave, as you're out of the situation. No, no, no. I had it right there. Snark department was ready. It said it said it was it was ready. But the manager held it in check because what I was saying at the time was, I'm sorry. I, I thought I was. I did think I was pushing it. I'll pay closer attention next time. I'm sorry. That's what I said. What the snark department was telling me to say was, Oh, I'm so sorry. Please allow me to apologize to all those people behind me in line that I'm inconveniencing. And then turn and look at the empty lane. There's no one there. And look at the empty line. And look back at the cashier. And look at the emptiness. 
and look back at the cashier. Oh, there's no one there. Again, I'm underlining that, yes, I understand. I was in the wrong. She was right. She would have been better served if she would said, well, okay, it's not a problem right now, but in future, you know, you should be aware that this is the, this is the express lane and you have quite a few items. And I could have said, well, it would be helpful if you would put on the sign 20 items or less or 15 items or less. It would be helpful, but I got gotcha. you. But I would no, but that would be kind of snarky too. So she rung me through. Whatever. She rung me through. And just as the last items are rung in and she tells me the price and I'm beginning to pay, a fellow pulls in behind me into the lane and starts to load his stuff onto the belt. And the snark department jumped up again and said, Oh, oh, say this. Oh, sir. Please allow me to apologize to you for inconveniencing you because I had too many items to be in the express lane. And the guy would probably look at me like, what's the problem? You're done. It's, you're, you're not inconveniencing me at all. But no, the manager stayed on the job. I, sh I should also say, um, just a little bit in my defense. Yes, the signage doesn't say that how many items or less, but of course it's common sense, 20 items, right? I suppose. But... I've had this in, in the past, on at least one occasion, I've, I've had this almost the same thing. I've had a few items, probably more than I should have had to, for the express lane, in one of those small baskets, you know, small carts in the top basket. I'm, I'm looking for a lane. The express lane is open. There's a customer in there finishing up or something. And the cashier looks at me and sees me kind of looking and looking at my cart and figuring, I don't know, is it enough? And the cashier waves me in. It's a different person, but that person waves me in. Come on, come on, it's no problem. Come ahead. Yeah, you know, it's you know, I, I she was right, so I will I will endeavor to do better when it comes to the express lane. I promise you that. Uh, I think that's a good spot to uh, stop for my break. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I shall return after this break. I promise. I will. I will. Take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. 
Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Well, I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, a breaker of the of the express lane <laughs> rules. Uh, well, I, I live and learn, live and learn. I, I, I felt pretty good that I kept the snark department on, in check. Um, I mentioned earlier that I, uh, I blogged this past week for uh, Nostalgia Zone, uh, the Warehouse Fine blog. Uh, I blogged about uh, the, the death of Terry Jones, who was uh, a member of uh, Monty Python. Uh, he was, um, oh, what was he? He was 77, I think, something like that. Uh, he, he suffered from a form of dementia that slowly takes away your ability to communicate. Um, I, I won't go into the names. I'll link to stuff for you. I'll link to the blog that I wrote and and uh, some more information about what it was that uh, that uh, that he had. And then, you know, and dementia isn't just, you know, you forget things. Uh, it is that kind of thing, and it or messes with your communications. It does that, but it also, at some point, when it gets really bad, your body, it, it, it forgets how to do stuff your body's supposed to do. You know, like the automatic stuff, like breathing. So eventually, um, you know, th- this stuff happens. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was in 2015, he, he was diagnosed with this form of dementia. Uh, he announced it to the world at some point. And, um, and his, his, his good friend Michael Palin, another member of the Money Python troupe, uh, the two of them worked together uh, mostly. Uh, and the way the Monty Python's Flying Circus broke down uh, was there were six guys involved in it. Uh, it was you know, Terry Jones and Michael Palin. There was uh, John Cleese, Graham Chapman, Eric Idle, and Terry Gilliam. Uh, the first five dudes I mentioned are all British. Uh, the fifth, the sixth guy, uh, Terry Gilliam, is an American from Minneapolis. Huh? Huh? That bad, huh? Minnesota? Huh? Huh? I mean, you know where I'm from. I'm from Minnesota. Huh? And he's a cartoonist, um, so uh, he, he he somehow these guys, you know, worked in British television, and they would begin to, they would meet each other here and there, and work with each other, and and one thing led to another, and they got their chance to do their own 
sketch comedy show. Very British, very silly, very smart, but very silly. Uh, I've heard it described, you know, it's, it's just there's something special about humor where you know it comes from intelligence. You know the people involved in it are very smart, but it's silly, and that somehow elevates that humor even higher. And so Monty Python had this thing. And I was telling the story about my initial reaction to um, to Monty Python was uh, one of the things that, uh, as a 10-year-old boy, that I found very interested in it because it started showing in the United States in 1974 um, on, on the public television stations. Uh, the one thing that I found to be, or should I say two things, that I found to be very interesting was the fact that it would show women's boobs. And I was interested in women's boobs, even at the tender age of 10. <clears throat> Well, what can I say? And then there's a story of, of my friend uh, John and his uh, his family and their and their encounter first encounter with Monty Python, uh, which I'll let you read read the piece. And as I was saying, as, so the guys got together, they created this show, and Michael Palin and Terry Jones were a writing team. They would work together, and then Graham Chapman and John Cleese would work together as a team. Eric Idle worked mainly on his own, and Terry Gilliam, Gilliam worked on his own. But that doesn't mean that uh, these the other the other five uh, might intermingle and work with each other on certain and writing some sketches, but that's generally how things broke down. So Michael Palin and Terry Jones were good friends for a long time. Um, had a close working relationship, had a close relationship, and 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 uh, Michael Palin had talked, mentioned that you know when he when he he would still meet with Terry, and Terry's in the throes of this this illness where he just he's he can barely communicate at all. Um, he would say that he can see you know Terry's still in there. He's still there. He just. You can see it in his eyes. He can, you know, that the brain is still working to to a good extent. It's just that he can't communicate, and we have experience with that uh, in our family. Uh, Amy's dad had this same form of dementia, and it. I may have talked about it before on the show, um, but what the hell? It's my show. I can talk about it again. Um, the way it showed up with my with my father-in-law was that uh, you know we visit. Frequently, the families would get together. We'd go up to where where he and mom were living, and and uh, we'd visit. And uh, he, you know, and dad would be telling a story relating something. And at some point, and he would stop, and he just go, "Oh, never mind. You guys just think I'm goofy. I'm just being. I'm just goofy. Never mind." And we'd also, "No, dad, it's fine." He says, "No, no, no. Just never mind. I'm goofy." And then he would he would not talk anymore about whatever it was he was talking about. And that that would happen from time to time for a while and then uh, at some point he confided in Amy his daughter he said I you know I know what I want to say I know the words that are they're in my head I they're there I I'm thinking them I just can't say them the words won't come out and that was one of the signs and then as he got as it progressed you know Amy got to be pretty good at understanding what to, how to communicate for him, how to help him communicate. Uh, but even at the, at the at very near the end, it got tougher and tougher. But it never got to the point where he, he absolutely couldn't communicate be, uh, because he had, uh, well, he had something else that uh, killed him, and it was lymphoma, a form of cancer 
that uh, took him. So before the dementia could advance enough to completely take away or almost completely take away his ability to communicate, lymphoma did that for him by just, you know, by, by killing him. So we had some experience with uh, how that works, how that goes down. So anyway, so Terry Jones seemed like, you know, incredibly a talented man, uh, a good, uh, you know, a, a good performer, a good writer, you know, excellent writer. And the stuff he'd come up with, he would direct the films that the Pythons would make. Uh, he co-directed Holy Grail with Terry Gilliam, and then uh, they decided that Gilliam would be the for the next films. Gilliam would be the art director, and uh, uh, Terry uh, Jones uh, would be the would be the director of uh, Life of Brian and Meaning of Life. And it's just they're just he you know he just was he had attention to detail he was he was a surreal kind of thinker uh he'd come up with some very bizarre skits and that and uh, it just was very funny um and he and he was a historian he he did a bunch of british television shows uh, history shows with a little bit of humor in there he created this book he he wrote lots of books and he did children's books, and he uh, one in particular uh, that I mentioned, Lady Cotton, Cottington's uh, Pressed Fairy book, something like that, uh, which is it's a book that catalogs the different kinds of fairies, you know, fairies and gnomes, that kind of thing, the different kinds of fairies. And, and he had an illustrator, it was beautiful illustrations in this book, where he would illustrate that the, you know, the these these like you would press flowers into a book. Well, they would press these fairies into a book, and it was just great. Just twisted enough, it, it just showed that that's the kind of humor that Terry Jones has. A uh, lot of work, lot of what a legacy. Just an excellent uh, thing to leave behind. Uh, still a little bit young, seventy-seven. Yeah, still kind of young, especially to a fifty-five-year-old. <laughs> that's kind of young. Uh, Anyway, uh, but Mighty Python uh, meant a lot uh, to me as a kid. It felt sub subversive to watch it. Uh, my parents didn't get it either. Uh, John's parents didn't get it. My parents didn't get it. Uh, one time I was watching, uh, I was a little older at this point. Uh, my parents were out, and they were just coming home, and Monty Python was on, still on, on PBS at the time. And they come in, and there was a sketch uh, that's it's uh, it involves uh, let's see uh, Graham Chapman playing the straight guy you know the the you know sort of uptight guy that's you know prop, prim and proper and he's got Carol Cleveland oh Carol Cleveland oh anyway he's got her over at his place and uh, they're they're on a, they're they're just come back to his place on their first date or something and and they get interrupted by the nudge nudge wink wink guy. That's played by uh, Eric Idle. He says, you said I should stop by while well, it's in the neighborhood, so I thought I would. And he just comes and barges in, and he took the liberty of inviting all kinds of other people into the party. And they're just rude, and they just kind of take over the house. And, and at some point, uh, uh, John Cleese comes in as, with, his, with Terry Jones playing his wife. Uh, they did a lot of drag. On the, on the shows, uh, he comes in and the, and he sees Carol Cleveland. He says, "Whoa, what you got there?" Hey, he says, "You know," and he and he 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 goes over to him and says, "Hey, let's give a feel or something like that." And he grabs a boob. He, he just goes over and he grabs one. You know, gives her gives her a grab. And my parents were walking. <laughs> they came home just as this gets on. I'm watching. I'm like, "Uh oh." <laughs> and mom and dad walk in the room just as. As John Cleese leans over and gives Carol Cleveland a squeeze on the boob, 
<laughs> my mom looks at me, and I was in my teen years at this point. My mom looks at me and says, what are you, what are you, what are you watching? It's, it's Monty Python, Mom. <laughs> anyway, uh, just it's a brilliant series, and the movies are, are brilliant. Uh, Life of Brian has got to be uh, it's so damn good. It's just so damn good. So, yeah, Terry Jones, it's kind of a bummer. Um all right, now on, on the, let's see, uh, what time is it? Dun, 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 dun. Okay, on the Facebook, things get shared. And, uh, you know, someone was wrong on the internet. And I, as a skeptic, uh, I take it upon myself here and there to, you know, when I see something that's uh, obviously fake news or th that just doesn't smell right, and I look into it and I find out, oh, this is fake news. This is, this is bullshit. Uh... Depending on who shared it, I get in there and say, this is fake. This is baloney. I, 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 I link to a source. Uh, usually it's Snopes or PolitiFact or something like that. And, of course, uh, those people that don't want to believe those, they'll just say, oh, they're just liberals. You know? Like, th there was the same people. Uh, there's one in particular I'm thinking of. Um, they're Trump supporters, which... Doesn't mean they're doesn't mean that they are um, uh, that they are prone necessarily to the to sharing fake news, but it sure seems like a couple few of them are. Liberals can share fake news just as much as anybody else, but uh, it seems kind of odd to me that the ones that decry fake news so much and they tend to be Trump supporters that th that they tend to be the ones that I see sharing fake news. You know, it fits their political ideology, boom, they share it. They don't vet it. Vet your stuff. Vet the stuff you're going to share. Look it up. Is it true? And then, they, and then there was one thing where they, they were sharing uh, something about uh, uh, Snopes not being, not being uh, a good source for, for finding out whether something's true or not because, well, it's just they're just liberals, you know. There's 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 pictures of the guy who runs Snopes uh, meeting George Soros. Wow. <laughs> so all those items that they have on their site that that correct falsehoods about Trump and George W. Bush and uh, you know about conservatives, I, I guess those are what uh, anomalies. <laughs> so something got wrong there. Was it just a trick they're playing on us? Because they do that. The anyway. So stuff will get shared, and. Um, my cousin shared something the, uh, just today. I saw it and I said, uh, and "This was the second time I've seen this." And it's and it's a it's a it's a it's an image that they share, and uh, you can click on the link. You know, it links to some other page, and when you click on that link, you get to. It's just a black page, and it says uh, uh, the image, and then it gives the URL address thing, this long bunch of letters and goop, whatever that they have, uh, cannot be displayed because it contains errors. I'll say it does. <laughs> um, here's what it says. I'll just read this thing to you. Why Muslims can run for office. All right, now, this is America stuff. This is in the United States. Okay, so it'll become obvious as I read the rest. On November 18, 1990, the 101st Congress quietly, 
It's in all caps. Repealed the McCarran-Warner Act of 1952, forbidding Muslims, in quotes, I'm not sure why it's in quotes, from holding office. Members of that Congress were Dick Cheney, John McCain, Joe Biden, Al Gore, John Kerry, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi. Wait a minute, they got Mitch McConnell in there? Mitch McConnell? The guy who's impartial? Who took an oath to... to Listen to the uh, evidence at the uh, in the trial in the Senate for the you know ouster of the president, who you know, who has clearly already decided that he's going to go not guilty. Really, he's in there. Okay, <clears throat> as I said, there are errors in it. Um, it's not the McCarran Warren Act of 1952. It's the McCarran Walter Act. All right, that's a typo. Um, it's and I will. It has nothing to do with who can hold office. It's an immigration. It's the uh, Immigration and Nation Nationality Act of 1952. That's the official name. Was debated and passed in the context of the Cold War era fears and suspicions of infiltrating communist and Soviet spies and sympathizers within American institutions and federal government. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. Anti-communist sentiment associated with the Red Scare and McCarthyism in the United States led restrictionists to push for selective immigration to preserve national security. Senator Pat McCarran, Democrat, Democrat, November, uh, uh, November, uh, Nevada, and the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee proposed an immigration bill to maintain status quo in the United States and to safeguard the country from communism, quote-unquote, Jewish interests. This was a Democrat. The, let's see, and United States, let's see, and uh, undesirables that he deemed as external threats to national security. His immigration bill included restrictive measures such as increased review of potential immigrants, stepped-up deportation, and more stringent natu naturalization procedures. The bill also placed a preference on economic potential, special skills, and education. In addition, Representative Francis E. Walter, Democrat, Pennsylvania, uh, proposed a similar immigration bill in the House. In response to the liberal immigration bill uh, of Representative Emanuel Seller, Democrat New York, and Senator uh, Herbert H. Lehman, a Democrat New York, both Pat McCarran and Francis E. Walter combined the restrictive immigration pro uh, proposals into the McCarran-Walter bill and recruited support from patriotic and veteran organizations. Uh, let's see. President Harry Truman vetoed the McCarran-Walter Act because it continued national uh, continued national origins quotas that discriminated against potential allies that contained communist groups. However, Congress overrode the veto by two thirds a vote of each house. So, it has. Did you, did I hear? Did you did you see? Did you hear the word Muslim in there anywhere? So okay, so it's it, it has nothing to do. And did you hear me say anything about holding office? Anything? It's an immigration bill. So I saw this and I just kind of uh, I, I went into it and said, um, 
you know, there isn't a religious litmus test to, to hold office in the United States. A Muslim can be president. There's nothing. I've talked, you know, if, I mean, that's the highest office in this, in this country. It, and it, but any other office as well. And so can a Jew, uh, a Hindu, a Sikh, a Mormon, a Scientologist, an atheist, a pagan, a Wiccan, anyone. They can be tall, they can be short, they can be fat, they can be white, brown, black, red, yellow. They can be a woman, they can be trans, they can be anything. There's, there's no restriction when it comes to being the president of the United States, and I've mentioned this before, there are only three qualifications that they need to have. One is they need to be at least 35 years old. The other is they need to have been born in the United States. And the, and the third is they need to have been lived in the United States for 14 years. That's it. A religious litmus test is unconstitutional. If that's what this act did, the United States Supreme Court, because it would undoubtedly get to them, would have stricken it. It would have struck it down and said this is unconstitutional because the First Amendment. So I, I kind of laid in. I said, you know, and I even added in the religious things, I added Catholic because I know that my cousin was it was raised Catholic. I don't know how Catholic he is now, but I get the feeling he's probably still pretty Catholic. It, 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 you may have forgotten this, or some of you might not have known this, but in, in 1960, when Senator John Kennedy was running for president, he had to make a speech about how he wouldn't allow the Vatican and the Pope to run his office should he become president because Kennedy was Catholic and he was the first Catholic president and up until then you know they'd all been Protestants you know they'd all been some form of the you know Lutheran thing you know they all been some you know Protestant form of, of, of the you know Christian religion and it's he shouldn't have had to go out and make a speech and say look <laughs> he says, yeah I'm Catholic so what there's no religious religious litmus test. Well, so I laid in pretty good, um, but I tried to be not too nasty or snarky. But um, uh, my cousin did say uh, it, this is on the upside. My cousin said um, my account, my Facebook account got hacked. I didn't post that. I said, "Oh well, you know, you can take it down." And you should probably change your password. And I told him, I said, "Look, I I go around and when I see something that's obviously false, fake news, and I use the terms fake news, especially when it's a Trump supporter putting up fake news, because, like I said, they tend to like that term, fake news. You know, they apply it to anything that's negative about their president, which is my president too. I'm sorry to say, but anyway, uh, and I, so I just I do that. I I correct it, and if I can, because this kind of stuff shouldn't be." floating around the internets and he said oh i appreciate that you know and he did take the post down so so that that's good so he's not you know he's he did he's hopefully at least at, in in this case he's not requiring a religious lit, litmus test uh to be uh, to be able to run for office muslims can hold office in this country okay just as anyone else can it's just i you know it's just you don't want those atheists in office. Oh, boy, you put an atheist in office. My goodness. You know, 
anyway, uh, <laughs> you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. It's at uh, ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return after this break. For a long time I felt without style or grace, wearing shoes with no socks in cold weather. I knew my heart was in the right place. I knew I'd be able to do these things as we watch it. I am living on channels. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. We're the station that beats all the competition, and we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, that song, not the song that we were coming out of uh, break with, but the song that we went into break, this this last one, uh, was a song called Houses in Motion by Talking Heads, and that's off their album Remain in Light, which I think was released in 1980. Uh, whenever I hear songs from that album, I think of my art school days. Um, that which went from 1983 to 1986. I went three years to art school, got my certificate in illustration, and yeah, I'm sorry to say I haven't really done a lot with it, but I'm still drawing, still drawing. Nevertheless, um, my school—that's uh, that the school that I went to, the art school, was in St. Paul, and it's on uh, it's on this avenue called Summit Avenue. And it's up on this hill that overlooks downtown St. Paul. Uh, St. Paul's Cathedral is at one end of it, and the Governor's Mansion is at the other end of it on Summit Avenue. Um, and and all along the way, um, there are some really expensive and big uh, mansion houses, whatever you want to call them, but uh, that the rich people back in the day uh, lived in. On that avenue, and one of the buildings on there is uh, what housed the art school that I went to. Uh, the art school was called the uh, uh, School of Associated Arts. When I went to it, it went through another name change at some point, and then a final name change. Uh, the College of Visual Arts was the final name. I think it went to School of Visual Arts, then College of Visual Arts. And in uh, 
Oh, geez, what was it? 2013? Yeah, 2013, it closed its doors. It just could not... Could not maintain. Uh, didn't have the money to keep going. Even though tuitions were... <laughs> were mind-bogglingly high. Something like 20 grand I don't know, a year. That's, like, that's crazy. When I went, it was like $3,000 a year, but then I'm not sure how that kept up with inflation. I, or, I, it's just that seemed crazy. But nevertheless, um, my three years there were pretty cool. Uh, and anyway, so the school uh, shut down and uh, some development group bought the building. And they, they renamed the, 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 the building uh, the, the Davidson, which is the name of the family, the rich guys, the, the rich family, that uh, built the house or had the house built in 1915, I think was the date. Uh, some rich dude made a bunch of money off the railroad or something back in the day. And uh, uh, a dude named uh, Watson Davidson, that was his name. Watson Davidson, you know, name the two names in and son. That's a clever parents. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, he, he uh, so it got bought by this company and, and renovated, and it is now a boutique hotel. Uh, that uh, the rooms, it's got eight rooms in there, and they range in price from a mere $249 a night to $449 a night. <laughs> That's crazy. But some people have money. Uh, <laughs> they figure it's ideal for, you know, celebrities that come to the Twin Cities and would, and it offers them a, more of a private place than, uh, than any other hotel. Um, and the pictures they show of it renovated. A couple of the rooms, I can figure where they are. Okay, that room is where my typography class was held. Okay, I can recognize. That's changed quite a bit. And then these other rooms are up on the third floor. I can recognize the you know, the way the windows are set into the wall with kind of in like these little alcoves. Okay, I can see. But boy, I tell you. Now, uh, a friend of mine that I went to art school with, shared the a link to uh, a story which you'll get to the show notes at dimland.com click on the blog option you'll get to the show notes I'll have them listed uh, he he posted it and he said I wonder if they know that it's haunted and I went, oh right right I remember that I remember that uh, there was a story going about when we went to the school as I recall it it was you know some teacher was telling us this, yeah there was a a servant that worked in the house, a young woman who uh, hanged herself in the main stairwell, you know, the big fancy stairwell that they have there. And and so and she haunts the house. Well, you know, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> There's no ghost in there. Come on. I mean, I never experienced anything ghostly, but then again, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. But still, come on. And I said Oh, no, it's not. I said, haunted? <laughs> he said, yeah. <laughs> so apparently he believes it's haunted. I don't know if he's had experiences with the, with the haunting in the house, but I never did. Come on. And that got me uh, thinking about some stuff. Um, 
There was a, a, a post by uh, Sharon Hill. She's a fairly well-known skeptic out there. She used to have a podcast called uh, 15 Credibility Street, something like that. And she, she ran Doubtful News, which is a website where she did a clearinghouse of, of looking up these stories to see if they're true or not. Um, both are defunct at this point. Uh, she she posted a, uh, a link to this 10-minute uh, video that was put out by a YouTuber uh, organization called Red Letter Media. And they do, usually do movie review type stuff. And there's a fellow on there named Mike. And there's this video, and I'll link to it, um, where Mike starts talking. He goes about 10 minutes about a live event of the Ghost Adventures cable TV show, which is hosted by Zach Bagans. Which I've seen Zach Bagans' uh, articles show up about him on Facebook, where he's buying certain, you know, cer certain items for super big amounts of money. And I went, "Wow!" You know, I'd comment on it. And I said, "Wow, who knew?" that not finding ghosts would be so lucrative. He, he's on this show, and they do all the night vision crap, and they do, you know, and so, what was that? Did you hear that? Oh, it feels cold here. Oh, what's that? What's that? And then he, you know, and they, and the fellow that's talking about it in the video, a guy named Mike, he says he likes the show. He likes Ghost Adventures, but he likes the edited version of the show. He knows what they're doing. I don't think he buys any of it for a second. He just likes watching the way they, they present it. But this live event that they did, some Halloween thing, was incredibly... <laughs> it's just like, you don't do that. Because uh, people there was they, they brought this rabbi in to check out this uh, this uh, Divic box, which is, I think a Divic, if I'm saying the right, word right, is a kind of a demon or something in Jewish lore. And this box is said to house one. And, you know, if you touch it, you, terrible things happen. And, and Zach is acting all freaked out about this. This It's a little cabinet. It's a little desktop cabinet kind of thing. And I just looked at him and went, ah, for fuck. <laughs> That's, it's just, ah. <laughs> but it was really cool just here listening to this guy who generally likes the show. And he says he knows about editing. And he's, he can, and being an editor which he is, he can recognize where things are moved around and kind of edited. And he's, he can see how stuff is, is put together in shows like this. Uh, it's an interesting watch. Um, just to see how phony this crap is. It's just as phony as hell. That's how I took it. And that got me thinking of something else. Back in 2009, a group of skeptics, well-known skeptics, uh, attempted to get a cable television program produced called The Skeptologists. And it involved Brian Dunning, who does Skept the Skeptoid podcast. It involved Phil Plate, who's the bad astronomer. Uh, it had uh, uh, Michael Shermer, who's the publisher of Skeptic Magazine, and not everybody's cup of tea these days. Um, I won't get into it, but he's not. Uh, it had... Uh, uh, geez, who else? It had Steve Novella, who is the host of the Skeptics Guide to the Universe podcast and, and other skeptics on there. And I remembered a video clip, and I was able to find it. And they were investigating, I think, the Queen Mary, which is docked somewhere. And, it, and it's, a, it's a ship that that is said to be haunted. And they're going through and investigating it. Uh, they're being toured through the place by somebody who does paranormal stuff. 
And they go into this one room on the ship, and the producer of this group, he's following behind them, and they've and, and, you know, they got the cameras going, and he decides to do a little something. He had a quarter in his pocket, and he he flips the quarter so that it, you know, he, he was just he flipped it up over onto the uh, to the roof of the room, which he could do. But there's also a hole in the roof, so he flips it in such a way he wanted it to think it was just land on the roof and make a sound because he wanted to see how people would react to it. But it came through off the hole in the roof. It hit Phil Plate on the leg, and lands on the floor. And there's this quarter there, and they're all like, "Wow, okay, that was weird." And the paranormal guy immediately goes to paranormal explanations. Oh, that kind of stuff happens in here all the time. And he's just he starts going to immediately, you know, the, the believer in the paranormal jumps to the paranormal expl explanations. The skeptics of the paranormal start to investigate, start to look to see what is the answer. And that's the, the, the producer said, yes, it was a dishonest of him to do that, but he just wanted to see what the reactions were going to be. I thought that was pretty interesting. I'll link to it. There's no haunted houses. There are no ghosts. I know I can't say that 100%, but come on. <laughs> I know I can't I can't just completely say it's not, but come on. Uh, I have a cool thing before I get out of here. Uh, just, I, I saw this video of this big-ass shark that's apparently fairly deep in the, in the ocean. Uh, it, it, I saw in the article it was called a, uh, a blunt-nosed six-gill shark. Now, I don't know if that's sort of an official name of it. I know it's not the scientific name for it, but uh, um, the it, it is it is massive. These guys are down in the water in a little submarine, and the shark is bigger than the submarine that they're in. And you just get to watch it kind of working around and swimming around them, and it, it it's it's just it's really cool looking. Just a really cool. And the guys, you're listening to these guys looking at it, and they just whoa, man, it's so big, and just just having a great time looking at this incredibly rare. Uh, um, fish uh, that you know th they were able to tag it, and the, and the only time they've ever been before this, you know, biologists have been able to tag these sharks is that they have to they have to kind of trick them to come up to the surface of the water. Here was the time where they they actually got one down where they they tend to hang out, and I looked at that. And I thought so cool, and yet there's still no video, no clear video or photograph of a Bigfoot. Or the Loch Ness Monster. We can find that rare shark and get really good video where you know, yep, that's an animal. That's a real thing. And yet we still can't get something to show us that Bigfoot is real. That that the Loch Ness Monster is real. I don't know. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. And that's the end of another Dimland Radio. Uh, I'll remind you to uh, be skeptical and that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And that you and that I am your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. This is the Z-Talk Radio Network, and this is Dimland Radio. And I'm reminding you to sleep with the lights off. Oops. <laughs> I hit the pause button. <laughs> Sorry. Well, unpause it. There you go. <laughs> you 
can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for, for tuning us in. What? 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 Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.